You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm Eric Name, Milwaukee Bucks reporter at The Athletic Wisconsin. And not joining me as always is my good friend and the founder of BrewHoop.com, Frank Madden. Frank is ditching me tonight for Captain Marvel, which I can't say that I blame him. I'm actually quite jealous that he's doing so. Uh, I thought I was going to have a chance to do so today, and I did not get to watch it during the day. Uh, If you are uh, a regular follower of us on Twitter or a regular listener of the podcast, even the movie versions, you'll know that there are a few things I enjoy more than finding a day to go watch a movie Five dollar movies. Shout out to Mark Cinemas. Uh, if I can get a sponsorship out of that, that'd be great. Uh, but five dollar Tuesdays, great day. I love going to watch movies by myself uh, because watching movies is a solo activity. I don't need to talk during it. it doesn't make any sense that I would need to go uh, with anyone else. So that's what I do. But I didn't get to do that today, so I'm very jealous. We will probably get a short Captain Marvel review from Frank if I had a guest tomorrow. So. With all of that being said, the Milwaukee Bucks did play tonight. Frank had given me the option to wait for him, and he said it would have been uh, a little bit later in the night. So I'm just going to plug on uh, by myself here and break down the Bucks 130-113 win. That's 130-113. The Bucks win in New Orleans on Tuesday night. And, you know, when when you look at this game, it, it was not the prettiest thing. Uh, the first quarter was incredibly ugly. It, it was just not a very well-played pl- game. And, uh, you know, I think the, the Pelicans in many ways kind of get you to do that. They sort of get you to play that way uh, just because they play at this pace that is just so fast that – you know, you want to go at that same pace, and then, you know, they're not terribly good defensively, so you really want to, you know, just take advantage of playing at that pace, playing against their bad transition defense, and you're thinking you should just put a bunch of points on them, and it just feels like what happens when you do that is, well, you know, you have turnovers. Uh, Giannis had some early turnovers uh, that weren't particularly pretty. Uh, Middleton had some early turnovers, like – Bledsoe kept getting to the rim, but he was unable to finish. I think he misses his his first six shots of the night uh, before eventually hitting one. And you know, it was just it was just ugly in the first quarter. Uh, and you know, the Bucks had the game tied at the end of one twenty three twenty three, and you know. <laughs> I I think it it felt like in many ways they were lucky to be 
at that point or the, to, to have the score be what it was at the end of one because you know they just weren't playing good basketball uh but either way they do end up tying it at the end of one and obviously they they can just kind of keep it moving and uh get themselves into the second quarter but it wasn't good the pace of the game was ridiculous i think their offensive and defensive rating were somewhere around 78 uh so it, it just wasn't really a focused effort and uh on the broadcast tonight you could Uh, you heard from Katie George that Bud sort of asked them the question, are we just going to go through the motions in the last 15 games of the season or are we actually going to play? And, you know, I think that's – I don't know if it's an interesting question because there are some things that – uh, obviously are going to make the Bucks play a little bit more sloppy right now. Obviously, some of those injuries uh, really take them out of it. But, you know, they haven't been as sharp as they've been uh, before the All-Star break. And uh, as we've circled on this podcast, I don't know how many times at this point, like a lot of it to me is, you know, you see George Hill go down in that second uh in that second game back from the break against Minnesota. And, you know, they're just kind of not the same after it. Uh, They don't, they can't run their normal rotations. They're experimenting with different stuff. They have new guys in town. Like they're just kind of going through all this different stuff. And it's led to them not being as crisp and uh, not having this weapon that is George Hill and, you know, do a little bit lesser extent. Sterling Brown as a strong defensive player and corner three shooter. Like you don't have those things that make, everything you do runs smoothly and you know that's kind of why you get you know the result that they've had so um i i'm i'm gonna be really interested to see what this all looks like when when hill comes back and you know that's a thing that we keep circling and you know it's probably not ideal that missing a guy like george hill can throw this team off but you know, it does talk to, or I guess it does speak to what this team is and, you know, the idea that the depth they have is important and that each player they put out on the floor plays a role in what they do and they need everyone to kind of be at their absolute best. And, and, you know, that's not to say that they don't score or anything like that. Like they've put up plenty of points here in, in, in the last month without Hill. But uh, when you look at teams that contend, it's top 10 offense, it's top 10 defense. It's both sides of the ball. Uh, It's not just score a bunch of points and then be mediocre to bad on defense. Uh, You know, we saw people, uh, we saw people try to do that. We saw the Cavs try to do that. Uh, It doesn't work. Like you have to be solid on both ends. And that is something that, you know, they're struggling to do right now. So uh, we'll have to kind of sort of see what that looks like. And I think one other thing that uh, got brought up that, you know, I didn't really think about it. I know Matt Velasquez mentioned it in the post game, and um, I'm not sure if he brought it up or Chris Middleton brought it up, but they ended up talking about it a little bit. But the Bucks have played a lot of games on the road. Uh, when you look at their last batch of schedules, you know, we kind of talked about how uh, at the start of the year they had this home-heavy schedule. And then, you know, when you start going backwards, you see that they've been on the road a whole lot. And, you know, they're going to finish out home-heavy here. Uh, 
but for now they have one more on the road in miami so that's a three-game road trip they were at home for two games before that indiana and charlotte and before that it was obviously that five-game road trip that they had then they started off the all-star break two with boston in in indiana at home but right going into the all-star break it was two in chicago and indiana one home game with orlando away in dallas one home game with washington and then they had that other five game road trip oklahoma city detroit toronto washington brooklyn so you know when you look at the last 15 to 20 games it's been very home heavy or it's been very road heavy uh and you know i think that can kind of take a a toll on a team and we've seen how good this bucks team is at home uh obviously they've just lost three straight on the road uh when you look at that utah saturday phoenix on monday and then the back-to-back they lost this past sunday against san antonio uh they had lost three straight at Uh, on the road and this was you know another good one to get back and they've been very good on the road this year but they've been incredible at home and you know when you don't get as much of that home cooking you know sometimes things can can look a little bit worse but i'm not attempting to make excuses for this team i just think when you look at what they've done recently you know i think there's there's a solid enough reason for for why there have been some struggles or i guess there have been solid enough reasons for why there have been some struggles so um you know i I just think something to you know maybe think about keep an eye on um but really to me this this team doesn't once again become playoff ready doesn't once again look like the you know the juggernaut that they were until they become healthy and we're gonna have to keep our eye on that and see when that day actually is because uh, it did very clearly is not right now all right so getting back to this game uh you see that ugly first quarter and then you know i I thought Middleton kind of kept them afloat in the first quarter. And then, uh, you know, as the second quarter unfolded, they played slightly better. But, you know, it was still pretty ugly. Giannis had two early fouls that, you know, kept him out of his normal flow, kept him out of his normal minutes, made everything a little bit more difficult for Bud. And then, you know, Bledsoe had that rough first quarter. And it was kind of Middleton and Brogdon. Uh, ironically enough, the the two guys that we had talked about uh, being incredibly consistent before both playing bad over the weekend, uh, that kind of steadied the team and got them through all of this uh, and, you know, kept them moving and, and kept this game going uh, and kept them alive. And uh, ultimately, it it really to me didn't get decided until the fourth quarter because you look at that second quarter they go 33 uh 33 25 they outscored the pelicans and uh you know were able to take a little bit of lead into the second half and then you know i thought they came out really strong uh in the third quarter they were able to you know quickly hit a couple shots uh they ran their first set was for Chris Middleton. He came off a, a number of screens, ran the baseline, and then came whipped around a double screen. He got a three. Uh, Alfred Payton matched for the three, but then they get Malcolm Brogdon uh, for a three. Middleton hit another shot, and you know they kind of got going a little bit there. 
and were able to push that lead out a little bit. Uh, got it up to 14 on a on a Brogdon layup, and then you know 15 on a Lopez three, and eventually got it all the way out to 22. I think it was in that quarter, uh, 84-62. About halfway through the third quarter, after an Eric Bledsoe three, so they get it to 84-62, and that was kind of them getting through. Pretty much the entirety of, or I shouldn't say the entirety, but the entirety of their third quarter Anthony Davis minutes. Uh, and he came out shortly after that. And, you know, it looked like, okay, you know, you, you kind of survived the the AD minutes. And then, you know, he got a, he got a, a little bit of it back. But, you know, even when, when Davis left, I, I believe he leaves with 314 left in the third quarter the Bucks had a 17-point lead, and, you know, it was looking pretty good, and then they don't close out the the third quarter quite as strongly as you would have liked. Uh, that number comes all the way down to 12, and that's something that Bud talked about in pregame. That's something that uh, was talked about during the broadcast. That's something that we talked about on the previous episode of Lockdown Bucks after the Spurs game. The Bucks just haven't been closing quarters strong. And that kind of reared its ugly head tonight as, uh, you know, as the Pelicans are able to cut that down to 12. And then <laughs> almost immediately the, the Pelicans turned over to start the fourth quarter. Tony Snell gets a dunk. Pelicans call timeout. They're down 14. And they chop it down to eight in a hurry as Brogdon and... Ilya Silva have this weird miscommunication as he kind of Brogdon throws a pass to Ilya Silva and it hits him in the hands, but uh, for some reason he wasn't ready. It, it didn't really make a whole lot of sense. Pat Connaughton and airballed a three, and on all of those possessions, the Pelicans just got easy baskets. They cut it down to eight, and I, I tweeted it out, but it kind of gave me Sacramento vibes where with that Sacramento team, they play at an incredibly fast pace. The Pelicans do the same thing, and you know when you pe- when you play at that pace, it gives you multiple chances to stay in it. It gives you multiple chances uh, to rattle off really quick runs, and we saw the Kings do that to the Bucks, where you know you thought maybe it was over a couple times, and each time the Kings were able to match it back. And the big thing is obviously that the Pelicans, without Anthony Davis, aren't as good as that Kings team, so they can't do it in the same way, but. Uh, to me, I kind of thought that was what we were looking at. I thought it was going to be a real possibility that the Pelicans were going to stick around in this, but you know, I thought it was another one of those spots where Giannis just kind of took over. He he scored some, and when he wasn't scoring, he was driving, and when he wasn't driving, he was on the block, and he was kicking out and, and getting people looks. And it was just one of those sequences where, you know, it's two or three or four minutes where he just kind of takes over and just asserts his will on the game. And sometimes that can be, uh, you know, through great defensive effort. Sometimes that can be through great playmaking. Sometimes that can be through great scoring. Sometimes it can be through a mix of all of those things. But it was just another one of those spots where Yasha said, you know, I'm tired of this. And... Uh, he goes out of the game, bucks up 113.98 with 7.07 left in this game, and the Bucks pretty much hold it down from there. 
uh, you know, they were they were running through they were running things through Chris and and Eric Bloodsoe a little bit, and uh, it was where Bloodsoe uh, was able to get a driving layup on. You know, it was a play they were running. I mentioned to start the third quarter. They ran that set for for Middleton where. He starts on the left side, goes across the baseline, has a double screen uh, on the other side, whips around for a three. So he goes all the way from the left side on the baseline to the right side, comes and gets a three. And they were running that play for multiple players tonight. And what happens on the other side, so you're bringing Middleton around to the right side, on the left side is Bledsoe and whoever else has remained there, typically a pick and roll, and trying to get him to the middle of the floor so that he can work to his right and then also throw a pass over to Middleton if he needs to and the Pelicans started to overplay it and there was just a couple plays where Bledsoe gave a short just little fake over to the right side and then just had a straight line drive to the left there was no baseline help there because uh, from the baseline Middleton had already cleared that out the screeners were high on the floor so it was just Eric Bledsoe attacking attacking an empty left side of the of the floor and well when that's the case, Eric Bledsoe is going to get a layup just about every time. Uh, and that was exactly what happened. So he gets that a couple times. Middleton gets himself a couple shots. Uh, Middleton is able to drive through the traffic and get a dunk. And, uh, you know, the Bucks just kind of closed it out. It was, it was to me, a pretty professional win after a first quarter that <laughs> infuriated their coach and, you know, a third quarter where the Bucks score 45, and I think it's tough to think of a quarter where they score 45 as a bad quarter, but they gave up 41. <laughs> and, you know, I was I was joking with Matt Velasquez about it a little bit tonight, but uh, uh, the, these couple of weeks, I feel like, are just going to drive Mike Boonholzer insane because, you know, I, I think – his team will ultimately win a number of these games, and obviously they've won a number of these games here. But in that same stretch, they've also lost two in a row for the first time. They lost the same team twice for the first time. Uh, you know, there's been more bumps, and the reason why they're losing some games is, you know, because of sloppy play and, you know, playing with their food at times, uh, and then bad defense. And, you know, as we've talked about through the entirety of the Mike Boonholzer era, you know, from the moment he was hired, we talked about how defense is what he hangs his hat on. That's what he's obsessed about. That's what he wants to talk about. Uh, and as we've gotten to know him better, that same thing is held true. Anytime we, we ask about the offense, first he will tell us about how the defense can help their offense or what they could be doing defensively before answering questions about the offense. And... You know, for him, this is going to be some really rough stuff. This is going to be a, a difficult time for him because they are not executing defensively. And, you know, I think tonight kind of shows you that like, even when it did really feel like things were going well, it felt like that third quarter, th they go up by 22. And at the end of the quarter, they're only up 12. And a lot of that was because of the defense and not executing quite well enough. And, you know, I just think uh, Bud cannot wait for this team to get healthy. Uh, cannot wait for a guy that he really trusts in George Hill to get back in the rotation. And, you know, I think he can't wait to get everything settled 
and ready for the playoffs. I think this is very much what how we how he views this time period is, you know, kind of fine tuning everything, making sure everything is right and everything is the way that they want it as they head into the playoffs. Because at this moment, it is not that. So that to me is what makes the next couple weeks interesting. And, you know, we'll kind of have to watch and wait and see, uh, kind of just to see how that goes down. Because I I don't know what that process looks like. I don't know how he tries to fine tune all of that. I don't know what decisions he makes, but uh, we'll have to keep an eye on all of it. Couple things I'm going to point out from tonight's game: Giannis, 24 points, nine rebounds, five assists, six turnovers, four fouls. He picked up his fourth incredibly early in the third quarter, but Bud trusted him to play with fours. He almost picked up his fifth. Uh, it looked like he was going to get it very early in the third quarter, but ultimately they gave that foul to Bledsoe, so he's able to avoid that. Uh, but you know, some turnovers and. The fouls and turnovers go hand in hand because some of the fouls were offense fouls. Uh, so just some stuff for him to clean up there. 0 for 4 from 3 tonight, uh, but 10 of 10 from the free throw line. So something there that'll make Frank cry and something there that'll make Frank very happy. Um, Middleton on the night, 23 points, 7 assists, 5 rebounds. Uh, I thought he was great for them in the first quarter. I thought he was great helping them close it down in the fourth quarter and you know kind of get them through it. In between, a little bit of quiet time, but uh, overall, great night for him. Malcolm Brogdon, 18 points, 2 assists, a rebound, 7 of 10 shooting for him on the night, 9 of 18 shooting for Middleton. Sorry, I forgot to mention that. Uh, so not the most efficient night, but still, I thought he was solid. Brogdon, 18 points, 2 assists, 1 rebound on 7 of 10 shooting. He was good. Bledsoe, after a 0 for 6 start, uh, ends up going six for nine the rest of the way. So he's six for 15 on the night. So not the most efficient night, but still 14 points, six rebounds, five assists, two steals, uh, doing some Eric Bledsoe things. I thought, especially in the second half, uh, he looked a little bit more comfortable and was really able to help the Bucks close this game out. Ho-hum night for Brooke Lopez, just one of five from three, 13 points, eight rebounds, two assists, two blocks. Um, to the bench, on what was supposed to be Nikola Mirtich bobblehead night, uh, Mirtich scores 14 points, 4 of 10 from the field, but just 1 of 5 from 3. Buxton shoot it very well from 3 tonight, 10 of 36 overall from behind the line. Um, you know, if some of those shots go down, you know, maybe this one gets put away a little bit earlier, but it, it did not. Uh, but also, you know, the, that's good kind of process is, you know, getting threes and still taking them even if you are missing them. Um, maybe even could have taken a couple more. Rest of the bench, uh, Pat Connaughton and Tony Snell is what I wanted to look at. Pat Connaughton, 9 points, 11 rebounds, uh, 1 for 3 from the 3-point line, had a really ugly miss, an air ball uh, in the fourth quarter that was just just not a good look, but did a bunch of other Pat things on the night. And then Tony Snell, um, I think I did three Tony Snell did what updates. And shockingly enough, it was because two of them were dunks. And I guess I did Tony Snell did what because I'm not used to seeing such powerful dunks. He got closed out hard in the first half, came through, threw it down with the right hand. Uh, Second half, he has a two-hand slam. Uh, Then he also ended up blocking a three on the night. That was his one block on the night. Uh, Nine points, four rebounds for him. So two solid contributions there. 
And, you know, I think the other thing that people are going to kind of circle is no Pau Gasol. And I know Frank and I kind of talked about this, but I'm curious how much the heavy minutes in San Antonio were, you know, a byproduct of him previously playing in San Antonio, of Bud extending a professional courtesy that, you know, he would get to play the team that had not played him and, you know, get a chance to do that. I don't know how much of it is a byproduct of uh, a back-to-back and getting Ersan Ilyasova a game of rest, which, uh, you know, I, I think is something we're going to keep watching the Bucks do here as, as they kind of go through the rest of their schedule. I know at the start of April they have like a five games and eight nights stretch. Uh, so, you know, I do think we're going to see people sit some games out. But, you know, ultimately – I I think this is more or less Pau Gasol's role. Um, I think we're going to see him not play very much. Um, I think we're going to see him sit on the bench a lot, which is ultimately kind of the role Frank and I had discussed and thought uh, would be a good fit for him. Um, But obviously we haven't totally seen that. And, you know, I, I just think, and, you know, I've already mentioned the rotations and George Hill coming back on a number of times. But, you know, I, I do really think when you get George Hill back, when you get Sterling Brown back, um, there won't there won't be any time for Pau Gasol. There's not any time for Pau Gasol now, but, you know, at least if you're thinking about getting some of the guys in the rotation a night off, you're thinking about getting, um, you know, through some injuries, whatever it may be, uh, getting through foul trouble, like your your depth isn't really there because of the injuries, so you know maybe you do have to go big and maybe you do have to go to Pau Gasol. Um, but I don't suspect we're going to see a ton of that. But again, I could be wrong. Maybe it's a it's an every other game type of thing or or something like that. But um, I would suspect we're not going to see um, a, a ton of Pau Gasol as as the season rolls on. But I've been wrong before and. I will surely be wrong again. So uh, we'll see how all of that goes down. I think that's going to be it for me for tonight. Uh, like I said, pretty boring game, pretty ho-hum uh, after a first quarter and you know maybe a first two or three quarters where the Bucks didn't really take care of business, uh, opened up the fourth quarter, opened up a big lead, and just kind of pushed the Pelicans away. Um, obviously, that's a much easier task when Anthony Davis is only playing 21 minutes on the night. He managed to have 21 points, 12 rebounds, 2 assists, 2 blocks in those 21 minutes. So still very effective. But ultimately, when he doesn't get to play big minutes, Drew Holiday's out. Uh, this is a Pelicans team that's going to struggle. And that's exactly uh, what happened tonight. Side note, they shot 47 threes on the night. Uh, we've talked about the Bucks' strategy and how they force bad three-point or i shouldn't say force they allow bad three-point shooting people whether they're bigs or wings to shoot a lot of above the break threes that is exactly what the pelicans did they were not shy about it and i can't say that i blame them i think shooting a ton of threes can really increase the variance in a game and you know possibly you hit a bunch of those and you're able to win the game because of the abnormal number of threes you hit that did not happen. Instead, they were 10 of 47 on the night. Uh, just chucked them up there, and it was a season high for them. The second most they shot in a game was the first time that they played the Bucks. So uh, against the Bucks, they're not afraid to get 
those threes up and well it did not work out for them tonight so that is going to be it for us for tonight for frank madden who will be back tomorrow and maybe with a movie review i'm eric dame this has been lockdown bucks we'll talk to you tomorrow